You are now listening to a family live session. This conversation has been recorded as an extension of a previous podcast episode or as a Q&A tackling a topic that has been voted by the listeners. The guests have tuned in live to answer questions from the viewers. If you want to know when the next live Q&A session happens, follow us at Family Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in. You mentioned at some point in, in the interview that you have a very early routine and you wake up at 4.35 in the morning in order to get ready for the day. And my question would be around that. How did you create that routine for yourself? First of all, do you do you go to sleep early? Um, what's, what's the difference between waking up earlier and uh, doing stuff in the beginning of the day? Yeah, wonderful question. Um, well, it's all, it's all related to the way my life used to be in the past and then how it is now and the difference, like the journey that I went where, where I was before and where I am now and what a difference this is, right? So in the, in the past, the way that I used to be is I used to basically wake up out of bed and marathon my way through life, like all the thoughts in my head and all the worries and all the things and the tasks that I had to do. And then I would rush off and do that and do that and check off all the lists. And I was just running and running on the treadmill. That's like, that's pretty much what I was doing, achieving and running and running. And then, as you know, as I, we talked about last time, I pretty much ran dry and I, and I hit a wall and that wall that I hit was through all the physical pains that I had. And then that got me to kind of wake up and come inside and have the journey coming into my heart and coming into my truth. And, and that's where I am now. And it's interesting because that whole journey that I took from where I was then and where I am now, we actually took that, like what to me at that point just seemed like the zigzag, like nonlinear way of journey. And we actually now are creating, as I mentioned, the HeartQ program, which is, you know, there's EQ, there's IQ, and this is HeartQ, is how do you live life from a, a heart conscious life? How do you show up in life from the truest version and the highest version of yourself? And you have heart aligned action. And so that's such a different way of living life compared to before. And so most people, a lot of professionals, a lot of people just like me, they just wake up and they're just running and achieving and depleted and stressed and they have no pause, no time. There's no break in the day, right? And then you're just running and you feel like it's never enough. It's like an addiction. So fast forward kind of with the hard cue process that we did and now we're packaging that into a program that we're offering. Um, one of the, the most important thing, you know, before we start the day, before I go out into the day is to really, I take that time to just connect Connect to me, connect to the truest version of me, you know, like out of what, you know, th this is like scientifically known that all of us are really operating at the level driven where our actions and our thoughts and our ways of being is driven by the unconscious, uh, unconscious, what we call the unconscious matrix. We call it in our program. It's called the unconscious matrix, which is we're not even aware, like we're not even aware because we don't know what we don't know until we know. So most people are just functioning and living life and way of being and why they're doing things. And they don't even know why. It's not really who they are, but it's just all the things that they've learned and all the programs that they've inherited and the hidden beliefs that is driving all of those actions. And so for me, like that morning is that way of like take creating that sacred space 
to connect with me so that I don't go out into the world and just react to people. And I don't go out into the world and just as an expression of trying to fill from the outside, the inner void inside and, and to just express all the hidden beliefs that I is driving me. So that space that I have, it's sacred. I do not compromise it for anything. It's like my oxygen. And so what I do is I wake up and, and, and kind of, it's not like always actually perfect, but it's, or I mean, it's not like absolutely predictable, but it's a space where I usually will wake up and I'll go. And the first thing I'll do, I'll just meditate. Cause when we can't, we wake up, we're kind of like still not yet in the beta waves in our brain. So we're kind of in that alpha waves, right? So we're still kind of in that dreamy state. And so until before the mind takes you over all the things you need to do, what I do is I come, I go upstairs, I put some music and I meditate. And in that meditation, I connect with with my heart. I connect with the truest version of myself. And I that's what I do. I get aligned. And this way, my heart is in the driver's seat, not the unconscious patterns and not all the voids and not all the programming. My heart is in the uh, in the driver's seat. So that I do that uh, process in the morning and I am able in that time to just be. You know, we're human beings, but sometimes we just run in life all the time, like human doings and goings and achievings. So I get to practice what it means to be a human being in the morning. You know, I get to be with the conscious version of myself in that consciousness, in that space between the thought, in that kind of universal oneness. I get to be there. And then that's where I get connected. And that's where I hear the messages and I get aligned to my heart. And usually what I'll do is, depending on how I feel, I may go and I may go into nature. I will go and exercise and whatever I feel, I'll journal, I'll hear messages uh, coming through me and reflections because we need to reflect, you know, reflecting so we can actually take that pause and process you know, what, what happened so far? Why am I doing what I'm doing? What do I want to have? What is the purpose of my day today? How am I going to show up today? So that whole process that I do in the morning is my space is where I get to give me the gift of me. I get to give me that space to basically come into my higher self, give myself like that self-love and that self-care and that way of being. So I kind of what happens at the end of that time is I fill my love tank. So I fill, I give to me, I, I fill up my love tank. So then when I go out into the world and I go to work and I interact with people, whether it's my family and my kids and work and patients, now I'm coming from like a full overflowing state of love and joy and enthusiasm and truth and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so now when I operate and I interact with people, I'm not just reacting to them and unconsciously, I'm actually aligned and I'm, I'm, I'm responding and interacting and engaging from that inspiring way of being. And so now there's like a whole new reality being created. So for me, it's like oxygen. I, I, I will not leave the house without creating, without that, taking that time for myself. And I would like for the, the listeners that are now tuning in live to um, maybe share some of the reasoning why some of these techniques, and if you have more, please share them. How do they help you navigate generally your life so you don't um, carry baggage all the time when you're, you know, moving into a conversation or uh, entering a room? Oh, what a the question of the lifetime, right? Um, and and so I think I want to just start out by saying that such a powerful truth. And it's when you hear it, like sometimes the most simplest things are the most powerful ones, but sometimes we miss it. So it took, it took me a lot of years to get this really powerful point that I'm going to make right now, that we can only serve others. You know, we can only serve the world based on the depth and the level of ourself. So 
That's the only way. So the more that I'm filled up, the more that I have developed and grown inside and expanded, the more that I have come into my truest self and I have given to me and I filled up my tank, the more that I can give. How can I give to others something I don't have myself, right? I need to embody. Like if I say, if I'm trying to give someone something, but there is like a lack of integrity between who I am and what I'm saying, that just creates a whole bunch of confusion for people. They're like, what? It doesn't make sense, right? So true giving and true serving, like authentic giving and serving is when you give something or serve something for others that you already have yourself, right? So like in the medical field, for instance, unfortunately, you know, you don't get that kind of awareness. You know, you're just giving, giving, giving. Most people are just giving from this depleted stress state. And so that's, you know, I think that needs to be shifted personally, right? Um, but then how do we, how do we come to that place, that tank, right? How do we come to that place to number one, come into that awareness of who are we? What are we doing? What are the unconscious patterns? Well, how do we do that? How do we feel the emotions and express them and be with them and not reject them or suppress them or numb them or try to run away from them? How do we connect to our heart and how do we act from our heart, right? And again, like I look at what happened in the past and I didn't even know it. You know, somebody said this, you can only count the dots going backward, right? So like you, when I was in my journey, I was like, didn't make sense. It was like a whole nonlinear way of being. Now, when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, everything makes sense. Everything had to happen that way. And so, which is why we're so now passionately, uh, you know, creating this heart cube program because we've taken all that journey and pretty much packaged it in methodologies and processing. So we basically have like the four pillars of transformation, right? And how you come into that place of the filled up tank and connected to your truest version of yourself. So the first pillar is called <clears throat> deep dive into the unconscious matrix. That what that means is like coming into the awareness. Come into the awareness. How do you know what you don't know until you know? You don't know what you don't know about yourself, right? So bringing, you know, if you've seen the movie, The Matrix, you know, like do you take the blue pill as a matrix? It's what we're all living in, but we don't know. So we're just operating at the level of all these programs that we've learned from what society tells us we should do. And societies and family lines and culture telling us to be this way and be that way. So we're going life trying to fit in those boxes, fit into everybody else's expectations, and then try to achieve all those things to get their validation so we can feel good about ourselves, right? Is that really an authentic way of living? But we don't know if we don't stop to pause and reflect. So that's the power of, that's the first step, you taking that space. But to do that, there's four steps in that. Number one is you got to get off the treadmill because everybody says, I don't have time, doctor, and you know, patients too. And people like, I don't have time. I'm so busy. Did you see my schedule? And I get that because I've been there and I used to say that, but I promise you, all of you, that there is time because it's the mind telling you that you don't have time. It's the ego trying to say, no, no, you got to do all these things. But the true part of you says, of course, you're worthy to give. You're worthy enough to give yourself that time. So that's the first step is you got to get off the treadmill. The second step is you got to create the sacred container. You got to create that container for yourself, the space and the time. Like I do it in the morning. That's what works for me, right? In the morning where basically you set the boundary and you turn your phone off, no distractions. You take that space, whatever it's like 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, you create it. You are the creator of your life. It's absolutely possible. The third part is like before you come into the awareness of all these things, you got to have what we call in Harky, we call it the heart attitude. So when you start coming to the awareness of all these things about yourself, like, oh my God, I was doing that just to feel worthy. Oh my God, I was doing that just to get validation. 
oh, I totally was jealous of that. But when you get all these things about yourself, you're going to start judging yourself, which is why before you do that, you got to have what we call a hard attitude, loving compassion. You're human. We're all connected in this humanity, right? Then after you do that, then all the feelings will come in, all these feelings. And wow, I feel this way. And, and you know, like the natural, like in this Western fast paced world is to like forget emotions. And that's how I used to be too. You don't have time for emotions. You got to achieve, you got to get there. You got to, you know, get to that end result and that end outcome. So we stuff emotions, we eat them away, we drink them away, we pretend they're not there. And then those emotions is what comes up and actually creates disease. So that's why in the second part of our program, we call it express to release. So you allow yourself to be with those feelings as a process around being with those feelings through journaling, through nature, through expression, through all various kinds of ways to release them. So that's how you 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 feel to heal. That's kind of how we call it. You feel to heal, right? Now that you've done that, you've gotten rid of all this baggage and things and heaviness and density. You know, now you can actually connect to your heart. Like Rumi says, the way to your heart and the way to love, the way to truth is through the barriers that we've unconsciously built against it. So you got to do that part first. Then you connect to your heart. And there's a heart cue meditation we came up with where you actually connect to your heart. The heart is like your inner guru. It's your inner wisdom teacher. Nobody else knows what you need except you. You know, whatever society, whatever culture, best friend, husband, wife, no, it's you. Only you alone know what is the best thing for you. But we in society, the way it is right now, we don't connect to that. So we're missing out on the greatest wisdom that we can have. So there's a process around that. And then the fourth step is heart aligned action. So now that you hear all these messages, you know what is you create your heart core values. Now you act in accordance to that. And that's where you get into the fulfillment, because one of the greatest causes of unfulfillment, and I see this everywhere, I see this in patients, I see this in people, the greatest cause of unfulfillment is because people are acting out of integrity to the values that they have, but they don't even know that they have what values they have. So like a person will say, for instance, like just to give an example, I want to lose weight and I want to be fit and and I want to be like, you know, um, have lots of energy. But then they go and eat all this cake and then they don't do anything and they don't work out. And then they say, why am I feeling so unhappy? Well, out of integrity makes people unhappy and unfulfilled. So anyway, long story, but it's it's kind of the journey. That's really what it is. It's that four-step process. And, and so when you come into that place of filling up your tank, filling up into the awareness of what it is right for you and releasing and all the expressing, now you, yeah, you have a filled up tank. And now you can show into the world, show up to the world with heart-aligned action, heart-aligned guidance and interaction. Hmm. So wonderful. I, I want to share for everybody listening that I got excellent feedback uh, from Madalena's interview. And I think people were surprised to hear from you. So thoughtful reflections of, you know, what you've been through and talking about your personal journey and how you decided to put yourself first. Um, I, we just got a message on the website from Edmonton from um, uh, from uh, somebody saying that it's great to hear Madalena. She really practices her message. And we also have listeners from Vienna. Uh, we have Alina here telling us that it's uh, she loves it. It's so important to have a morning routine. Um, we also have listeners from Copenhagen. Uh, this is so right. Neglecting our instinct is what causes, in the end, extra unnecessary stress. Um, so people are really uh, reacting to what you're saying. And we actually have um, a question related to heart problems. So yeah. if, if somebody has issues with blood pressure and has heart problems, how can you reduce stress naturally if that's creating the cause. Yes. 
Well, well, that's the question that I live every single day. So I dealt with that exactly. I was just in clinic yesterday. And, you know, when it comes to heart disease, you know, the natural, and I practice it too. And, and by the way, cardiology, the Western way is absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, cardiologists are able to save lives, you know, like literally like heart attack happens. And within a matter of minutes, that person can actually be saved without any impact to the heart or maybe minimal. Whereas in the old days, you're dead. That's it. 40 years old, you're dead. You know, so like clearly it is so powerful. Western medicine is powerful. I feel, you know, I feel very privileged and honored to, you know, to work with the group that I'm in, which is where we get to be part of this process of giving people back their lives and being able to treat them so quickly. And that's actually why I even went into medicine and cardiology, because I love the way that you're actually able to save lives. But it, but you know, and not but, and in addition to that, there's a very other important process because in in the kind of like the, the norm way of practicing, person has a heart attack, you save them, here's all these medications, go home, these are the things you need to do, and then and then and then that's it, right? But again, like as I mentioned last time, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole ocean underneath. What led to that? So most people go back and they just continue with the with their processes and their lifestyle choices and the ways of being. And then the blood pressure keeps going up. We keep giving medication, like nothing really changes. And so everything is perpetuated. But when you actually just back up a little bit and look at the core of everything, if you consider like most of the cardiovascular risk factors, so like hypertension, diabetes, obesity, high cholesterol, even plaque formation, coronary artery disease, all of these are very significantly related to the, the, the lifestyle choices that we make, right? So, I mean, powerfully related. So what the pre people are eating, the level of exercise, the stress level, all of these create all these problems. So yeah, there is a genetic predisposition. Yeah, of course. But that's not it. That's just part of the equation. There's so many other things. So we know that if people actually go out and exercise and do aerobic exercise, which is about 30 minutes a day, and I just say exercise of your choice, you don't need to do this specific thing, just do what you love, right? Do what you love, be consistent, get out in the nature. You know, I love nature. You really connect to your true self and exercise just in itself can actually reduce blood pressure and cholesterol, reduce blood pressure by up to like 10 points. So now you're having high blood pressure. You can bring it down by 10 points, just exercise alone. I see this all the time. Number two is diet. You know, the produce that we're eating, and this is again, a lot of programming and conditioning. You go to a restaurant these days. Well, not in the COVID era, but you know, in general, you go to the restaurant and unless you order like all these huge meals, people look like, look at you like you're crazy. So when I say, we're just going to split a meal, the waiter looks at you like, oh, really? That's all? Because they're like conditioning you to like eat so much. Like there's this eating, like, you know, eating, like that's why there's just so much obesity in the world because a lot, big part of the eating is not just physical, it's emotional. People are a lot of times eating their emotions because they're not dealing with the emotions. They're not facing them. It's just a way to like get that quick gratification. So there's a lot there, but the choices that we eat, like what are we eating, you know? Um, so that's a very important, you know, the saying you are what you eat. So we know that a plant-based diet or vegan or vegetarian is very much associated with reducing the blood pressure, helping with the diabetes and with the high cholesterol and heart disease. Um, and and the, so that's eating. And then the third one, of course, is stress. Stress is so powerful. It's the basically the undercurrent 
of all the diseases, but nobody really pays attention to it because you can't really quantify it. How do you quantify stress? So in medicine, everything is data-based. So this number led to that number. How do you quantify stress? Everybody's so different. So because you can't quantify it, it's not being measured. But we know that when they looked at it, 90% plus of the visits to the doctor is because of stress, directly and indirectly. So directly, we know what happens when the person is in the state of stress. So you know the saying that um, you are what you eat. Well, the same thing is, Whatever you feed yourself, whatever thoughts you have, whatever emotions you have, it's the same thing. You end up a produce of the thoughts and emotions that you have. So if you're having emotions of stress and fear and rumination, oh, my God, I got to do this. I got to do that. You know, worrying and worrying and having these kinds of thoughts and these kinds of emotions, which a lot of is going on right now, unfortunately, with this, you know, in U.S. with the presidential situation and the COVID, then what's happening is people are bathing in the, in the uh, hormones of stress. So just living in this high cortisol and the adrenaline and all of that is just bathing in that. So now we know like cortisol directly inhibits the immune system. So now you're getting sicker. Number two, we know that cortisol where when you're stressed inhibits your frontal, you know? So people say, I'm so foggy, I'm so confused. I have no clarity, my memory's down. Well, that's a very that's very significantly due to stress. No energy, right? Because people, the, when you're in a stress state, the the all the energy goes directly to face that thing in front of you. In the old days, it used to be the bear. Now it's the thought. Now it's the boss. Now it's that comment that somebody made on Facebook or whatever, right? So the energy is all the energy is going to deal with the stressor. So you're not having that vital natural energy, right? And so on and so on. I mean, heart disease. There's a condition. In the heart arena called stress cardiomyopathy. So when there's so much stress, like I was in the hospital service a couple of weeks ago, and within one week, we had like four people that presented with what is called stress cardiomyopathy. The people had the stress and they responded with so much cortisol and, and, and adrenaline to that, that they ended up having a weakening of the heart. So now they came with a weakening of the heart, congestive heart failure, they had to get treatment. I mean, one of them was because of, of the something that they, she saw on the news and that she got in an argument with her husband. And that's what happens. Right. So that is real. It's real. This like that's the direct. But even indirectly. Right. When people are stressed indirectly, by the way, you're not you're not coming from your heart when you're stressed. It's like the opposite of being present. When you're stressed, you're just reacting to life. You're going in life reacting, creating more emotions of fear and anxiety. And when you're in that state, how is the world going to appear? Is the world going to be appear positive and inspirational? No, the world is going to appear like it's a horrible place. Nobody likes me. That guy's after me. It's you versus the world. That's what happens when you're in a state of stress. You're not going to, it's the same thing now. It, now it's not the bear, but just like, you're not going to go hug the bear. So there is no, there is no oneness. That's why you get all the intolerance and the division and you versus me. I'm right. And you're wrong. All the things going on in the world. That's not the hard way of being. That's a stress way of being. And then that drives up all the stress that drives up the blood pressure, drives, creates diabetes, creates high cholesterol, creates heart disease. And it also, because you're not operating at your higher level, you're not in, you're not in a state what we call heart coherence. You're not in a operating with your higher brain centers in your heart. You're functioning at the level of the reactive amygdala brain, like the mammalian brain, right? So now your choices. Your choices are basically coming from that place of reactivity. So now your choices determine what kind of life you're going to have, 
So now you're creating all these choices that are not aligned with your brain centers and your heart. You're making all these choices. You're misaligned. And that's why people end up so unhappy and unfulfilled with all kinds of diseases and uneases. And that's why, you know, medicine, we need to go back to the core. You know, instead of just putting band-aids on the surface, we need to go back to the core if we really want to sustain and survive as a humanity. Yeah, that that sounds uh, that sounds like exactly the the, the the discussion I wanted to have with you here about um, what is above the surface and how can we tackle it and how can we think consciously about um, our life's choices. Somebody said, um, ch I changed my food and now it's so much better. I changed the diet, um, even the healthier options, probably a, um, a diet that was more uh, specialized. So I wanted to just uh, encourage everybody to ask whatever questions you have right now. So uh, uh, Dr. Modalina here can tell you um, her view and definitely give you some advice. In the meantime, I do have a, a question that I, I wanted to discuss with you, which is um, the line between having a more spiritual sp speech or more, you know, drawn towards in inward um when it comes to tackling medicine versus the Western medicine that you've mentioned. So um, somebody uh, told us you are an optimistic person with a spiritually inclined speech in a scientific environment. Where do you draw the line between the two? Or do you think they are intertwined and so to what, and if so, to what extent? Yeah, I, this is such a wonderful question. Thank, thank you for that question. I, I want to just say one thing because for the people with with the blood, I'm going to come back to this. But um, I can't tell you how diet powerful how how powerful the diet is. I have people literally. I'm, I mean, I see this all the time. I have people with all kinds of headaches and migraines and allergies and ADD um, and stomach aches and IBS, like diseases up the wall, everything, and. When they switch their diet and they get rid of the inflammatory foods and they go into that vegan type or the vegetarian or plant-based really, and they create that space of, 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 um, of basically giving that space to themselves of doing what they love and just being with themselves and meditating, they got off the meds. The people come back and they'll say to me, oh my God, my migraines are gone. I tried all these things. Does nothing work? My migraines are gone. My, my inflammation is gone. My allergies are gone. So I just want to like really say like this stuff is real. I'm, I'm seeing it day in and day out, you know, but it takes that person. We, I can't force that person. They have to make that decision themselves, but it's possible. Now, coming back to this, I love the question. It's such a near and dear question to my heart because that's exactly, I feel like the purpose where I'm right now, um, like through the program that we created called HeartQ, right? So I was drawn to medicine for the scientific reason. I was, you know, I love the science behind it. I love that you can actually treat people instantly. Like you can treat heart attacks. You can treat heart failure. I love that about it, right? There's all these aspects about it in the Western world. And then because of the journey that I went through, I really became so spiritual because of that. So I kind of like the pendulum went this way and the pendulum went the other way. So I was like, okay, now where's the balance? And when you really consider it the way I feel it, and even with the heart cure program that we're creating, I really believe that it's a oneness. It's an integration. I feel like there's a lot of, because I've been in both worlds, you know, I've been all the way on one end of spirituality and all the way on the other end of medicine. So I've been at the table there for both, right? And I feel like there's a separation. The scientific people are like, 
oh, you know, spirituality, meditation, woohoo. Like, what is that? You know, people with dreadlocks, you know, like out in the nature, not shaving, you know, like, or they're like in Tibet meditating. Like, that's so unrealistic. I don't have time for that. You know, so that's like the scientific, I got to go achieve and do things, you know. So, and then, and then on the other side, the spirit, there's like, I went on the other edge and the spirituality is like, oh, these mental people, like, oh, mind, you know, and kind of, so, you know, it's everything, everybody needs evidence. So, uh, you know, just be, and, you know, so I believe, and I feel this is my personal opinion, that there's a way to integrate them, right? I mean, that is, why are they both here, if not because they're serving us? So instead of separating, right, I believe that there is a way to create that oneness, to come together in this integrity, like integrate them. And I feel that that when we integrate them, that's where we create that wholeness. That's where we stop all these divisions. I mean, at the end of the day, anything that divides anything is not coming from hard consciousness, right? That's coming from the ego. So like, I really feel that this is the way, the path forward, the path into humanity, into healing the humanity and path into healing ourselves in our hearts is this bringing that integration of science, using science and spirituality and bridging them together. They're both for us, both for us. They're both serving. They both have a role. So it's like, how do you navigate that? And that's that's the beauty. That's the creative energy there that we are here to be in, in, in this journey together. Mm. Beautifully explained. Thank you so much for, for uh, also taking that question and giving us more uh, information about how you see it. I would like to tap a bit into um, the topic of psychosomatic medicine. So this is something that I'm not familiar with uh, that much myself. However, I did some uh, digging for those of, of our listeners who do not know uh, anything about psychosomatic medicine. Um, it's an interdisciplinary medical field exploring the relationship among social, psychological, and behavioral factors on bodily processes and quality of life in humans and animals. Clinical situations where mental processes act as a major factor affecting medical outcomes are areas where psychosomatic medicine has competence. Psychosomatic disorder, also called psychophysiologic disorder, is a condition in which physiological stress adversely affects, in which, sorry, psychological stresses adversely affects physiological functioning to the point of distress. So basically, it is a setup where, because of all the stressors around you, you create an even worse situation for yourself physically. For example, one of the listeners uh, continues. Um, the question is around cluster A personality disorders, for example. They are more prone to heart diseases or hypertension. How do you approach these cases and are you focusing on the spiritual part more or do you involve other experts such as psychotherapists? Mm -hmm. Great question. Great question. I, I really have noticed um, that this is really part of, of humanity, to be honest. You know, and there are so many ways to go about it. You can kind of categorize it. You can label it and this and that, right? But the way that I see it is it actually is integrated into the disease itself. So when somebody comes in with any disease or any unease, whether it's whether it's coming from a physical or whether it's coming from uh, a mental or emotional, right? All of these, if you actually follow it back, there are root causes for everything. There is really the root. That's why it's so important to just not get stuck at the surface, to go beyond, to see where is it all coming from. I can give you my example 
the, you know, personally where I had this journey. So I used to be an athlete and I used uh, exercise as a way to uh, keep my energy level high and stuff my emotions and be positive all the time so I can keep up with the race of life. And so I was doing that and doing that and doing that until, um, you know, my body basically said, enough is enough. You, you, you got to go inside yourself and heal. So then I had ended up having an injury. So I had a back injury um, and I couldn't walk. I actually just literally could not walk. I went to all these doctors. I went to all these surgeons and I went to all these neurosurgeons and I went to all these, got all these imaging tests and I had all these assessments and nobody could find anything. So I was like, did, what is going on? Like, am I crazy? Like, am I actually creating this? Because nobody could find the cause. But here I was feeling severe, severe, debilitating pain. And I don't like to take medications. And I was actually taking these powerful medications because the pain was so bad, but that no cause was found. So here I was, what is that? That's exactly what the situation is, right? So, and what happened is because I kept thinking about it because I was trying to control it and I was looking for the external fix. I was obsessed with it. When you think about it over and over and over, you're bringing more attention to this over and over and over. You're bringing more stress about it. You're bringing more anxiety. You're linking the fear. Now you're basically creating it. So there's so much that we do that we create when we're operating at the stress level and the rumination. And all of this is created from the stress and the fear and the stress and the anxiety. So what happened to me is eventually I ended up uh, real after one year, I ended up not finding a solution. I ended up in this slump of depression and unhappiness. And then so, then I basically started to go into the journey inside myself because there was no other way. Once I went inside myself and I went through yoga and meditation and the journey and I kind of started turning light on and all these unconscious things that I was doing, I didn't even try to heal myself. And it all just went to, it just disappeared. It just went away. How did that happen? How do you explain that, right? So what I believe is that there is a lot that we are creating ourselves and that the root cause of all the things that are there, there is that stress level because stress, again, directly and indirectly creates the disease. So when you're in the state of stress, what's happening is you're functioning at the level of fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety creates more stress and stress at every single level of the body, including the mind. You're sitting in the amygdala, you're creating all these addictive behaviors, all these ruminations, all these obsessive compulsive issues. All of that is created when you're stuck at that level. So that's why a lot of people say, well, I can't meditate. Of course, the mind says that. The mind's, you know, Descartes said, I think therefore I am. That's not true. We are not the mind. The mind may say that, but there is a deeper, more powerful consciousness, heart consciousness. And when we get into this meditation, the space between the thoughts, and now you're connecting to this deep, truthful wisdom part of yourself. Now you realize I am not that. I am not that thought. I am not that emotion. I am not the body. I am not the disease. I am something much deeper and much more powerful. And I believe that when you tune into that healing really powerfully can happen. We can activate the inner healer. When it comes to um, recommending people who feel, I do not know where to start, um, even if they do meditation, maybe they don't feel like they're connecting so much with, with themselves or they feel like this is not really changing the way that they are feeling about one situation. What do you recommend them to uh, to do in this case so that they don't give up and don't ever try it again? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's tough. And I, I notice even with patients, I think that to be honest, 
this, because I, in my own process, in my own journey, and the way that I came about here, and I realized the power, I realized the power of coming into that awareness. I realized the power of taking the time for yourself, the power of meditating, the power of journaling, connecting to nature, you know, feeling your emotions, you know, being, you know, giving yourself that space and connecting to your heart, heart aligned action. So I noticed for myself how powerfully transformed me right now. I'm operating at such a different level. I'm so happy with the way that I am. I know who I mean, I have come into the truth, truthful connection to myself. And I noticed that when I was giving all these recommendations to, to people, it was, it was a challenge. And that's why I believe this hard cue idea came because it was like a way to create the step-by-step process. How do you do that? How do you come into the heart aligned connection and action? And that's why we actually created the heart cue to develop this step-by-step methodology and process. Because whenever I would talk to patients, I'll give them bits and pieces, but it seemed like it was not sustainable. So that's the reason. But briefly, what I would say is just start out, you know, one step. Like sometimes people say they, they know where they're at. They, they have an idea that there's something missing. They get that and they want to change their life and they want to change, but they don't know what to do. So I would say start with one step. You don't need to know all the steps in front of you, right? Maybe the mind and the ego says, if you don't know all the steps, forget about it, you know, but the heart doesn't work that way. The heart works one step at a time. So what I would say, just kind of few little, ex, you know, recommendations that I would have is just take one step and first just start out with your day. Just create that space for yourself where there's no interruptions, no distractions. Whenever you leave your day, you know, when you're going somewhere or whatever, your kids wake up, create that space. And then that space, just get creative, get excited, you know, try different things. You know, you don't know. It's not like you're going to get it right the first time. You know, I tried so many things and how many times did I try to meditate on my own and it wasn't working? But, you know, you keep going, right? This is where on this journey, you know, you you get up resilient. So the, some of the things that you can try is number one, go to nature. You know, there's nature somewhere, you know, wood, a park, anywhere, just connect to nature. There's something about nature that it it just it just vibrationally reminds you of your true nature, right? So just by being and connecting to nature, be by yourself, be with yourself in nature, connect, touch the ground, earth yourself. So much of like people get lost and confused because they're not grounded, right? So if you just even go barefoot on the earth, just connect to that, right? That's so powerful. Be with the birds, hear the wind, just sit there and look around at nature. That is actually a very powerful way to, to just get into that place of being with, being with yourself, being with life instead of outside into the thoughts. You can try also, there's Number uh, another uh, thing you can do is just try different meditation things. There's so many things that are out there. Explore it. Try different things. Some people may need guided meditation. Some people may pretend may like to just do some breathing and just feel their breath and you know and or maybe like vibrational music. There's meditation music. Um, some people you know they need to move. It's okay. Like put some music. Let yourself move to the music. Feel allow the movement. The movement sometimes one of the reasons people can't meditate is because there's emotions and and emotions and thoughts and they're just like in your head emotions feeling everything and i know for me too if i am not able to get into the way of being it's because there's a lot of thoughts and there's a lot of emotions so before you meditate take some time okay what are all the thoughts let it out like write it all out you know get a journal this one woman i forgot her name she says the first thing that she recommends is what are all the thoughts in your head 
take it's called the, the the brain dump you know just thought dump just take it all and put it on a piece of paper just write it all just write it all out get it out of your head just that's a way to express it feelings so what's bothering you sometimes people have all these feelings they don't face them they don't want to go there give yourself that permission what's coming up for me what am i really feeling right now be with those feelings express them Cry them out, scream them out, dance them out. Because that's usually, to be honest, whenever people can meditate, that's a big part of it. Like there's thoughts active and feelings active. So do the brain up, express and feel your feelings. And then and then with, then you do the meditation. Then you can try all the things I mentioned, like the nature, the music, vibration, guided meditations. Get a meditation guide. Sometimes there's all these programs, you know, have somebody support you in the meditation process. I started out by going to a meditation center in Seattle, Sahaja Meditation. I didn't. I was trying all these things. I went there and then I was like, oh, it just happened without me trying, right? And I would just give one piece of advice. When you do, when you meditate, sometimes you'll say, oh, I'm having all these thoughts. I'm not supposed to have these thoughts. And oh my God, and all these, and then you think about all these things even more. Like now you're sitting still. Now you can hear those thoughts even louder. When you're, just don't judge yourself. That's why I say have a heart attitude. You know, we call this a heart attitude. Just loving compassion. Okay, I'm having, it's normal to to have all these thoughts. Don't judge yourself, right? And mm. see if you can take uh, the, the position of a witnesser. I'm just going to witness. Oh, it's interesting that my thoughts are going that way. Oh, it's interesting that these feelings are coming up. See if you can back up and not be charged to the emotion and be the witnesser. And the last uh, last thing I would say um, is um, a, a lot of it, a lot of that, um, that would really be helpful is um, to, um, you know, to to try, like I said, try different things. And one thing that really helps is to get into a state of joy. So most people are so busy with a task list of what they have to do that day. I got to do that. I got to do that. I got to take the kids. I got to make this food. I got to. And they're just like, you know, so get a bucket. We call this the joy bucket, right? In, in, in the hardcore program, get a joy bucket and just, ask yourself, what do I love? And then just all those things that you love, write it down and put it in a joy bucket. What do I love? What makes me feel alive? What makes me feel excited? And just when you get an idea, write it down, put it in a joy bucket and then see if you can do one per day. The last thing that I'll say is start out with gratitude. You know, we're so busy. I want that. And I want this and I desire that, but we already have so much, but we don't realize it. And we're just wanting, wanting, without appreciating what we already have. So I, I feel that one of the quick entry point into the meditation, into being, and is 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 and connecting to your heart is gratitude. And, you know, get a gratitude journal. So anyway, I threw out a blurb of ideas from, this is from our program, just a whole bunch of ideas that you can do that at least get you into, out of your reactivity and stress and into the heart. And these are some of the things that you can do. Amazing. I'm so happy that you shared so many insights because I'm sure that some of the listeners can start with one of them and see where it takes them because it's so important to try and try them out. For example, for me, the best uh, the best setup is guided meditation. We're having um, some comments here. This is so right. Thank you. Um, when you became vegan, our life changed. So also about diet. And then we have uh, loving all the insights. Thank you. What are some of the exciting developments you see happening in medicine in the following years or at the intersection of medicine and a more holistic way of living? Yeah, beautiful. Um, you know, what I see happening in medicine um, is that I see that when people are coming in, when patients are coming in, um, 
there are kind of two groups, but I see more and more people that actually want to be proactive. I have patients who say, well, what can I do outside of medications? Well, okay, there, there, you know, there's people like, okay, I get them. What can I, so there's people that are becoming more and more and more proactive. There are people that are also realizing and saying, okay, I'm stressed. I don't know what to do. So I feel like people are, people are coming more and more like, well, tell me more about meditation. People are getting curious about these things, you know, because at the end of the day, they realize all this life of trying only the technique of the, the, the medications, which again, I'm not saying this is great, right? It's just not enough. And people are realizing that they're realizing there's more, but the, you know, what I realize is that they don't know how to get access to it. So I see patients coming in with heart earrings and heart necklaces. They want so badly to connect to their heart, but then they're so disconnected from the heart. So people, what I'm seeing is that people are getting it. They're realizing there's something missing in their life. They're realizing that all the things they're doing is not fulfilling them. And they want to get there. They want to get to the other side, but they don't know how. So I feel like there's a really powerful role now for you know, all the people in this field to support people in that guidance, in that journey. You know, yes, you take care of the external healing, but there's so much to the human journey and so much to the inner healing, the holistic way. And I feel like there is now, and people are really wanting to go there. They're realizing there's more. They're realizing that it's not just the physical. They're realizing that there's emotional, spiritual, mental stress they're getting that. So I think like there's some kind of a waking up happening because there's more and more people that are looking into it and they want it and they're showing up. So I feel like that's really exciting. And to me, again, I feel like even my role, like why did I become a cardiologist? Why did I become a doctor? There's a, there's a role. And now why am I like so much into spirituality and consciousness and the inner journey? Because I feel like it's time now to come into that bridge. I feel like this is the future. Instead of separating, you know, medicine and science here, on one side and spirituality on the other side, it's this versus that, this or that, you know, I feel like it's time for end. It's that time. The time is for end. So if somebody is having a heart attack right now, I'm not going to meditate for them or give them an energy healing session. I'm going to make sure that they get to the doctor, cure the heart attack, because I know they're going to do the best job possible. We're in Swedish hospital, right? And after that, let's explore what got you here. What really happened? What drove all these decisions? What drove into the stresses? Let's take a deep dive inside you. So I think it's time to create this really holistic way of healing and not just the physical and the external fix, but to really go deep down into the core. And I think, you know, again, with the attitude of curiosity, the attitude of openness and, and just really the humbleness and the authenticity that comes with that. Very powerful. Um, we, we you touch upon your um, uh, your setup at the Swedish Medical Center, and in the interview, actually talked a bit about your journey into medicine and how difficult the journey was um, altogether, uh, but yet very enjoyable. And you you became a cardiologist, and uh, of course, you are also a member of the board and a director in uh, in um, all the medical. Um, hospital boards, right? And we actually had a, a question about that, about the medical system in the U.S. and the setup of becoming a med medical practitioner in the U.S. Um, one of the listeners was interested to understand more about the setup and how did you work uh, in the last few months during the pandemic? So what changed and what was the setup? And um, how do you manage to maintain patients' compliance during this difficult time? So how do you manage the relationship with patients considering the times we're living. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's amazing. I think these things happen 
Uh, and, you know, some of the worst, just like when you think some of the most worst time in history, when you think about it, the wars and all the depression and all of those things actually paved the way for the Renaissance. It paved the way for growth. It paved the way for innovative ideas and discoveries and creative, you know, so everything is a stepping stone for that, right? And even here, you know, in medicine, like the things that happened with all this COVID, it it basically brought us all together. So sometimes in medicine, you're working kind of separate island, but here brought us all together. So all the leaders rose up. We all connected. Okay, we couldn't see each other. Well, we made the virtual world happen. You know, we, before we never had any meeting, like it was never successful on virtual. Like you were either in person or nothing happened with patients or with meetings. Now that that happened, we realized we need to connect because we can't lead all the leaders, right? We can't sustain all these problems. We can't do anything if we're not connected and leading with inspiration and connection. So we actually paved the way. You know, we found the way when there was no way. We created the way. So like you realize how a lot of times in life you think that's not possible. You think that's not a reality, but you realize that, yes, it is. Anything is possible. And sometimes these things push us to get outside of the box and to open and unveil all these different ideas and possibilities and creative um, solutions, right? So that's what we did. Um, and I'm really happy with the way we interacted. We got engaged. We had meetings. We communicated way more and connected way more than we ever had in the last year. And as a result of that, we created so many creative solutions. So for patients, for instance, we came up with a virtual solution. So we patients now, before it used to be only in person, we have virtual solutions. We get on the video just like this. Uh, but of course, we have a, a, a person triaging. Is this person someone that needs to be seen in the visit because of their condition? Then that person comes. We make we create as a very safe way of uh, doing that. Or is that person okay to be seen virtually? And we see the person virtually. And we've systemized it and created it. And it works well. And patients are getting in. So we've actually created even more accessibility. So before, what was not possible, now it is. Now patients can be seen from far away in different places all around here without having to drive in and the rush of the traffic and they get a wonderful visit with us and plans and tests and things like that. The other thing we noticed is that, um, you know, definitely what's happened with the pandemic is that people are just more stressed. So all these things that we talked about, the hypertension is going higher, blood pressure is going up, um, the palpitations is going higher, the anxiety is going higher, the depression is, these are things that are just happening from the pandemic. So being accessible for patients, right? And so, and, and supporting them becomes that much more important. So a lot of our time is spent, I, you know, I kind of divide my time. Okay. Here's the, the medical thing we're going to do. And then let's, let's really connect here. What's happening? What do you need? What, let me give you some recommendations. And this is an opportunity now with the depression and the anxiety and the blood pressure, let's get you. Now is the time. See, what can you do? So let's create that space for you to do the meditation, to go out for nature walks, to do some reflections, to start exercising. And people are like, before everybody gained what they call the COVID-15, so a whole bunch of people started gaining weight because, you know, uh, they, they, it was a disruption. So the things that they did before they couldn't do. And now now they're coming and now, now we're saying, okay, well, you can't change it. So let's change us. Let's see what can, how can we adapt? What do we need to grow in ourselves? What creative ideas? So now people are coming up. I just saw a patient. It's like, yeah, I had gained like 15 pounds and now I lost it back. And now I created a great exercise routine and I'm doing it from home. So it's really an opportunity to have creative, innovative solutions and even upscale the care that we're providing for patients and the communication and the connection that we have within our directorship at the leader level.
the relationship at work in the medical field generally. So one of the listeners asked if you can build friendships at the workplace considering the competitive environment that you have around you. And this uh, is about medicine, right? And everybody wanting to be the best doctor and so on. Um, what do you advise people uh, who want to build a friendly ecosystem at work but they fear the competitiveness of their field? Yeah, you know, it's it's very true. You know, even myself, when I first went into medicine and even the way you get into medicine, because they only accept two, like from the college, you can only get two seats, you know, two people can go. And then even the whole process to becoming a doctor, it almost sets it up for competition. I mean, when I look back, it was a lot of competition. I had to compete like that. The system sets it up because only that one person can get that or only those two people. So yes, it did happen. I was that way. And then with all the things that happened just along the way and just even our realizations, you realize that it doesn't need to be that way. Once you get into medicine, it just takes one person to change one person to realize, and it can create a wave of change around you completely. So you realize no competition is comes down to you versus me. Competition is like ego. Competition is division. Competition is stress. Like who wants to work in that kind of place? I mean, my and to be honest, at that time I didn't even know it. I was not even like aware, like I am so much more now, right? But for me, like what happened is I I like to I'm the kind of person that I like to just enjoy my life. So I've always been that way. Whatever I've gone to in life, however difficult. Well, if I'm doing it, I want to have fun. So I'm going to joke and I'm going to laugh. I'm going to find the gift and everything. That's just how I I enjoy that. I, why should I live my life? To, I can choose that. So so when I showed up in, in the even in residency and there was that comp- competitiveness, right? I didn't care about that. I just did who I was, right? So I, I don't do that. I, I just, that wasn't for me. It didn't feel right for me. So I showed up with like, let me help you. Hey, let's collaborate. Let's go dancing when we're done. Let's laugh. Like, we just, I mean, I had seriously, I mean, it was really hard, but I had the best. My dad said to me, he said, you know, you'll see that residency and medical school is going to be like the best time of your life. And I was like, really? Because I heard it was going to be the worst time. But because we brought the joy and the laughter and, you know, we made you know all these friends and yeah, and the deepest friendships formed there. You know, you're doing something difficult. You're in it together. So, I brought that wherever I went. And if one person brings it, you you know, you kind of enroll people and you inspire people into being like that, right? And even now here in, in medicine, I don't have any sense of like, in where I'm at right now, I don't sense competitiveness. That doesn't exist in our workplace. Maybe it's another's, but I can just speak from my own experience. I love who I'm working with. Like the people that I work with, I love them. They are all great. We have fun together. We laugh together. We work together. We cry together. I mean, we all have our experts at specific areas in medicine. We call each other up and I know that person is going to be there for me. I can even call him at like 11 p.m. And if I call my colleague and I say, I need your help with this, he's going to he's going to be there for me. Absolutely. I'll be there for you. Same with me. I have a specialty in, in, in Echo. People call me. I'm always there. We're always there for each other. So I can share with you, maybe depending on where you're at, but that culture is something we can impact. We can do that because, you know, you get to, by you showing up in that way, people without even realizing they start being, but anyway, I think in our place, it's just always been like that. We're, we're a very, we have fun together. We're a great group. We're a great dynamic. Everybody's an expert. Everybody created amazing programs. Like they created empires and programs and we all collaborate. And because because we are bad, because the other thing I want to say to this person and to anybody who's interested in medicine, one of the things that medicine is changing, because somebody else asked this, it's that medicine is becoming 
we're moving away from competitiveness and it's moving towards teamwork. In the old days, it used to be that doctor case takes care of that patient. That's my patient, my thing. And that's it. No, right now, all these complex patients with complex medical problems, we're realizing one doctor doesn't know the right thing. There's so many gray zones, you know, like in life is not like black and white. Oh, I know this is it. There's so many complexities in so many areas in medicine, physical, psychological, I mean, so many. So we know now that we all have to come to the table and all the experts, even now we have meetings, we come to the table from all areas in medicine, we sit down, everybody's an expert at one thing. So we have the imaging, the interventional, the surgeon, the nurse, and then the patients presented and we all talk about it and we all evaluate. And then we say, we feel this is the best plan. So it's actually the togetherness this is what's creating the best patient care. So this is actually, coming back to that other question, this is a huge, huge, massive change. So that's, and that's what's providing the best care for this patient. It takes a, the smart people, all the people and experts coming to the collaboration, multifaceted level, and that's how you provide the best care. So that's, to be mm -hmm. honest, transforming uh, healthcare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So teamwork. And also, I love what you said about being the uh, change maker and creating that wave of look it doesn't have to be like this because you don't need to live within some norm that you've been taught about you can definitely be the change maker and bring a good vibe and, and good spirit to the table I, I really love that and I really I live by it so I'm very happy when I hear others that have have, have had this story of you know what I'm, I'm not gonna be this other person that just doesn't get involved in any way and I'm going to show up for myself and for, for the team. Um, I have one last question before we go. Uh, and that is, what would you do with the wave of a magic wand? What do you see the health world and your, your own world? So I'm putting up uh, on the screen now this question. Mm -hmm. How do I see the health world and my own world? Oh, my, the magic wand, the wand, I mean, and I, this is something that I have an intention of bringing, you know, but without attaching, because I, I, I if I'm going to attach, because I want it this way, it's, it doesn't work that way. Right. So, so I realized that I can only impact by who I am and by the level of depth that I'm at. The magic wand that I would have is that, that every single person like so in the healthcare that every single person that you start out you kind of revamp and you recreate the whole process because right now what's happening is you go to medical school you go to fellowship residency and you literally marathon intensely through these processes like I would wake up at four get to the work by 4 30 come back at 10 and that's what would happen and you're on call every three nights time for self that's a that's actually you scoff about like on that that who has time for that like no way like you'd be ridiculed right shamed for even saying something like that we need to do like a 180 on that right we need to create that space that awareness we need to bring that awareness and everything starts with awareness because without aware you know that that's what the first starting point you can't heal anybody without first healing ourselves we can't tell somebody what to do without embodying those things that we're telling them, right? And to and also that's one level of it. So I think it's just at the level of every human, like the healthcare worker. I mean, 
to be honest, right now, there's a lot of stress and people are kind of just getting out of bed and running and they're stressed and they're just trying to like survive, like struggle in the stress and just make it another day, get home exhausted, go to bed and wake up to start it all over again. So how different would it be if every single person would take that time for self to heal themselves, to come into that awareness of all the processes I talked about, to become aware of, you know, the unconscious matrix, as I mentioned, do the deep dive, do the connection, do the processing, heal themselves, come into their own truth, come into their own wisdom. And now each person is able to do that. Each person takes responsibility for their own growth and for their own selves. And so now each person, when they show up into the healthcare, into life, into work, now they're coming from that place of awareness and integrity and consciousness, not just reacting to one another and creating division and intolerance and more stress, right? And how we show up to each other, how we show up to the patient, there's, it's like a whole revamping of the whole process. And it starts with awareness. And sometimes it starts with just me being here talking to you, right? It's just having this conversation and 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 me being that, you know, like Gandhi says, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. I can't, you know, there's many things I can do, but it really starts with me, me embodying that and 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 waiting for that, moving along that. So I think that would be if if I could have the magic wand, I would say that uh, I would create, I would basically, before you do anything in medicine, you go through this process of you know, bringing the awareness to, I mean, I think not just doctors, but like everyone in the world, like humanity, like I would actually bring it down to the children at the kids level in schools, right? Like right now people are just, kids are going to school, learn all these things, ingest it all in your brain, learn, 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 learn. It's like, that's great. I'm not saying there's a problem. What about the self-awareness? What about intuition? What about connection? You know, I mean, there's just there's this there's this inner growth, this inner journey, this heart connection, this authenticity that is missing. This is like the missing link in humanity and society. So I would start there that go to the core at the level of the schools, like when the kids are young, work on parents. And I think Ashley's on and this is Ashley, uh, uh, Ashley's work. And then you and then with medicine, you start at medical school like this is a new way of it. And you do that first because that's at the very core foundation from that, everything arises, right? From that, everything starts. And introduce in medicine also, of course. Now, the other thing is you start, to, you right now you just have the physical fixes. You got to bring in, my dream was always that at work, when your patients come in, they don't just go in and see the cardiologist. They go in, they have like the, the kind of spirituality, they have they have the emotional coach, they have like the um, exercise and nutritionist. It's a whole holistic way like that's the that's really the way of healing it's holistic you don't just stop in one place you go around and you take care of all the aspects of yourself you were not just physical right so there is such a multifaceted and holistic but it really starts with um bringing that that four pillars you know the number one is awareness into the unconscious matrix the things that we're not aware of taking that time for self getting off the treadmill coming into the realization of the heart attitude number two is being with your emotions, healing those emotions, coming into truth into with your emotions. Number three is coming into your authentic truth through your heart connection and then creating your hardcore values. And then the number four is acting from the heart, heart aligned action, you know, interacting and engaging from a heart aligned action and not from the level of stress and running and the amygdala and the fear. Thank you so much, Madalina, for taking the time. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Anga. This has been my pleasure. And it's been 
truly grateful uh, to just be here speaking authentically from my heart and hoping that somebody gets inspired in some way and then they go out there and inspire someone else as well. So thank you. It's been a really great time being here with you and also being in your light. And I love the work that you do and how you're inspiring the world with your own work. So thank you for this opportunity. I hope you felt inspired to take charge of your next career move. Remember to review this podcast and share your comments. Thank you.